Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for nine years, have two awesome kiddos, and our mission on this channel is to create compassion and awareness for communities that are misunderstood, marginalized, and or abused by their leaders, and to help people be able to share their stories of leading these communities and empower them just like Sam. Thank you all so much for being here with us again today and for supporting our channel through liking, subscribing, and sharing our videos. We're very excited to welcome Arana Black. Thank you for being here with us. We've had her parents on and one of her brothers on before as well and shared their stories. And we're excited to hear Arana's perspective on what it was like for her growing up in the FLDS and then being shared around to different families and moved around in different ways that have caused a lot of grief for her and her siblings. Thank you so much for being here, Rana, and being willing to share your story. We appreciate it so much. We've really enjoyed getting to know you today and talking more. We're just so grateful for you and your siblings being brave enough to like talk about this and be able to spread awareness about the stuff that is happening to children within the FLDS and for the bravery it takes to be able to unpack that live with us and everything that comes with that. So we just really appreciate you. Yes. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Melissa for having me, for giving me this chance. Of course, of yeah. course. We can't wait to get into your story. Let's just go back to the very beginning and talk about what it was like for you as a young girl growing up in the FLDS community. What kind of memories did you have before any of the craziness started happening that we'll get into later? I'm the oldest child of Jeff and Erna Black. Both of my parents, both Erna and Jeff, were born and raised in the FLDS. So I was born into this religion of like a third generation. So being raised in the FLDS from a very young age, what are some of your early childhood memories of what was it like in your family's home specifically? Did you have multiple mothers? How many kids were in your family? What was it like in your family household? My dad, Jeff, and my mom, Ernan, never practiced polygamy the whole time they were in the FLDS. But as I got older and the FLDS were able to you know, put more religious pressure on me. Um, I started to notice that our family was different than others in the religion. And and yes, there, there was that question in the back of my mind. I just know we're not as worthy of a family mm. as others were. How many kids were there in your family? So I'm the oldest of eight. Okay. Mm. So was there a lot of pressure early on for like taking care of and helping with younger siblings? Absolutely. I was my mom's right hand help. I, I raised my siblings. Um, by the time I was 10 years old, I was completely responsible for the newborn. Wow. So even though you didn't, or you didn't specifically experience polygamy in your own family, there was still, you still had a large family. You still had eight kids in the family. And you probably saw polygamy around within the neighbors and that. So what was your view on polygamy. Is that something that you hope for for your future? Definitely not something I would pick for myself at all. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, I've seen so much misery just around me and in the neighborhood and in the church growing up that I wouldn't put myself or a child in that situation. That wouldn't be a choice I would make personally. Yeah. Did you feel that way as a child too? Or is it one of those like hindsight looking back, realizing that's not what you wanted? I feel like it was one of those, uh, you know, looking back moments. As a child, I felt like that our family probably wasn't 
you know, one of the elite or the more worthy families that we have to work harder, you know, be eat more sweet, you know, be more obedient to reach that, you know, exaltation. Yeah. Reach that next level. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It seemed like it was a, I don't know, like it's a status symbol to have more wives, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely, you know, through through my whole childhood, you know, that that is how it was. That's a very good yeah. way to explain that. And then, of course, you would see people like Warren Jeffs, who ended up having like 80 wives. And so, and he was our leader. He was the person we were supposed to look up to. And when someone had that many wives, then it would even put that much more pressure on the man that, oh, this is who we're trying to be like. This is who, you know, this is the way you're supposed to do it. So the more worthy you are, the more women you will be given. Uh, I have to ask, were you taught growing up that a man needed to have three wives in order to read? To reach the highest degree of glory or or heaven. Yes, absolutely. That was definitely drilled into me as a kid, which thus brought on the fear that, you know, we weren't a worthy family. It's it's so interesting. We always ask that question in case you're like, that's a weird question to ask. Yeah. We ask that question to everybody because it seems like it depends on the family who was taught that and who wasn't. Right. It's like Sam never was taught that. I, ne you know, I never, and he heard. never heard that. No. And then it seems like a lot of families were, or if a family had one wife, then somehow they were told that more, again, as like this fear tactic of unworthiness or that you need to do more. And so I just find it interesting that they try to find anything they can to like use against these families to create fear in them, right? Yeah. And so that's that in case you're wondering like why that's an interesting question but that's why we asked that question <laughs> yeah, because to most people who come not out. everyone heard that quite or heard those ideas for example maybe it was told throughout my family that that was a necessity to have three wives but I never heard it for some reason so it's interesting even though maybe one of the reasons I never heard it was because my father had four wives so maybe it just wasn't a concern in my family so in your childhood, what kind of activities did you like to do for fun? I was a super uh, hyperactive child, to be a way to explain it. Super full of life. I loved people. When I turned four years old is when Warren Jeffs kind of started to take over the FLDS from his father, Roland Jeffs, even though he wasn't a prophet. He was exalting himself in that position. Mm. Um, and I remember as a four-year-old, you know, things starting to change drastically for me. Like my parents would bring home like the Keep Sweet song and suddenly I couldn't listen to any music but that and I had to memorize it. And they quit reading bedtime stories to me and all I could listen to was Warren. Wow. At four years old, it started at four years old for me. What was wow. the Keep Sweet song? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I haven't heard of that. Is it like... Is it was can Warren you, singing it or can you sing it for us? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, no, talking about trigger warnings right there. <laughs> but but I know Warren what you're talking sing about. It? Or was it like a specific? Was it a did they consider it a hymn or was it like something of its own? It was Warren's family that wrote the song and his family singing it, and we were supposed to memorize that. It was the first song he released, you know, and then it grew into making an album. 
mm-hmm. you know, and yes, they were considered hymns, and those songs were all that was allowed. Right. I remember those days. In fact, when we as boys would go out to the world on our construction jobs and go out to work, we would always be listening to Warren Jeffs and his family singing these songs that they had made in our truck as we were driving to work and back. And so it was just so drilled into our heads that that was what we had to listen to. And those words were just over and over again and through our mind. That's all we really listened to at all. So, yeah, I I remember those being very forced on us, I guess you could say. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as a four-year-old having bedtime stories taken away, you know, because before that, my parents were a bit on the lack side. You know, I they had told me Disney stories and let a little bit of magic into my life, you know, up to four years old. But then, you know, things started changing and suddenly all I could listen to was, you know, this man, you know, Warren telling his stories. We I had we had these tapes of like priesthood history is what it was called and it was the history of the United States but completely based around the FLDS religion. Mm. Oh. And so that's the only stories that I grew up listening to after four years old. You know, and so and I mean I remember even as a six year old listening to his home ec class about how to be a plural wife. Wow. So from a very young age, grooming you to be ready to be not only just a wife and a mother, but a plural wife. Absolutely, yeah. Did you ever have, and I know it's probably jumping ahead to when you're a teenager, but did you have a number of wife that you wanted to be? No, but I felt like that if I wasn't in a family with more than one wife, that I didn't have a chance. Oh, okay. Wow. So you knew you wanted it to be plural, even though you didn't have a specific, like, I don't want to be number one or number two or number three. I don't even know if you could call it a want. I mean, it was just so drilled into me that I thought that that's how it would be. I mean, because now that I'm finding myself, I truly don't want that. Right. Yeah, Yeah, well, you've been through a lot since those early days. But back back in those days, it was all you knew. Absolutely. So uh, I was in third grade, and Warren started teaching these. uh, It was actually in school. So I was going to basically the FLDS version of public school, but it was only FLDS kids. Mm-hmm. So I was in third grade, and they started teaching in morning class that we needed to be better than our parents, that we were going to be gathered up and go to Zion, and our parents weren't going to come. Oh, wow. So seven, eight, might have been more around ten because I was in third grade. That was the first time that I heard that I needed to be better than my parents so I could be away from them. Wow. Did they tell you why your parents weren't going to make it to Zion? No, they didn't specifically give me a specific reason. They always left questions so that they could use spare. Mm. Um, so, you know, in my child's mind, I thought, well, you know, dad doesn't have more than one wife. We must not be as worthy of a family, you know, so I, I have to work on being more worthy and be obedient so that I can be placed in a worthy family. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. How long did they still have this school for? How long were you able to go to, even if it was FLDS, how long were you able to go to a public school? So I went to, um, you know, the FLDS version of a public school, class of all FLDS kids, third and fourth grade, that is all. And then I was homeschooled just at home by my mom. And, you know, on top of raising my younger siblings, I taught myself sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Like, I was given the book and the answer key and said, figure this out. 
So. That's, it sounds familiar, unfortunate. A lot of people in the FLDS church were raised that way to either go off to work or, you know, a little bit of homeschool. That seems to be the, the pretty common way that, that it was handled. What were your, you talked about obviously being in a plural marriage, but what were some other expectations for you that were given from a young age as a woman in the FLDS or a young girl, like with dress, with modesty, with dating, any of those type of things? What were some of the rules? Warren enforced a dress code when I was quite young. I believe a nine, 10-year-old was when I started to have to wear plain dresses. I had to wear underwear, slips. I'm not just talking about like what you would call underwear nowadays and talk about full, you know, white suit of underwear, you yeah. know, slips, dresses, a good four to five layers, but that was worn every day, all the time. I couldn't show any arm or any, any ankle, like I had to be covered to my ankles. I started being required to wear weights in my hair when I was about 11, and then just from there, you know, just slowly over the years it just he would add Warren would add one more restriction at a time and it would just slowly get yeah so more things I had to do I couldn't do yeah when you say wave in your hair you're referring to the poof right yeah okay yeah. because wavy hair that's okay right that's that's right. a lot of people are used to that but the the big poof right no yeah I'm talking about big Victorian hair <laughs> <laughs> The higher the poof, the closer to heaven, right? Is that yeah. is, <laughs> something like that? Did you, did, were you told any specific reasons why that was required? All the women started just wearing these poofs, and it seemed like they were trying to get the highest poof possible in some <laughs> cases. Were you told anything about why? Honestly, no. Warren's wife started doing it, and mm. so the whole community felt like that they needed to. Okay. He okay. is humble, or you know, was godlike. So it's more of like a cultural thing that ended up turning into a rule just on its own. It, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. In the FLDS, it was instead of keeping up with the Jones, it was keeping up with the Jeffs, right? Everyone yeah. would try, everyone would try to follow and do exactly what the Jeffs were doing because they had all the power and control in the community. So it makes sense. But so you weren't told exactly why it was just, this is what they're doing. So this is what we all need to do. Um, no, I actually, I was a smart enough kid to pick that out, so that's why. Oh. I was never told that, I was just told you have to wear okay. the Yeah, and then the, the long underwear you're talking about, that was something that I am very familiar with, that was uh, required for all members of the FLDS church to wear this long underwear that would cover to your wrists, all the way to your ankles, and almost all the way to your neck. So, And then that would also explain why some of the dress codes that would follow uh, you had to cover up that underwear so you know you'd always as boys working out in the heat we would have to wear long sleeves and long jeans just to cover up our underwear overall your your family unit your family dynamic you're the oldest of eight what were some of the things your families did for fun my dad would put us in the car a lot of times and we would just go for a ride we did a lot of travel um it was always to be kept quiet or not to tell any relatives or friends. He was definitely doing it without the knowledge of the church. Even something like going for a drive would have been not allowed? Absolutely. That's interesting. So did this come later on in life or even as a very young child was it not allowed to go on drives like that? 
Um, I believe that, you know, these most drastic changes happened around 10 and 11, I think. Yeah, that's when the driving thing started because, you know, as a younger kid, my dad trucked from Salt Lake to L.A. and I was on the truck with him, you know, I was an only kid until I was like four. And so I traveled a lot between L.A. and Salt Lake and then, you know, that just that quit because we couldn't travel anymore. We weren't supposed to be out anywhere. We are supposed to be in the community. Was Warren in prison at this time that he was making these kind of rules? Or how old were you when he went to prison? So I was 12 years old when Warren went to prison. And before Warren got put in prison, I have a very distinct memory of my parents coming and getting me and they showed me Warren's new album of songs. And I don't remember the, the name of the song, but the story in the song was, my dear kids, you know, be good for your father because you're in Zion and I'm not there. Um, and my parents showed me that song and they were in tears and they started preparing me at 12 years old, you know, that if we're ever not out of your life, you know, you keep your siblings close, you know, love them. And of course there was the, you know, religion in there. Right. Um, you know, you got to make sure that they say their prayers, you know, and that they're not swearing, you know. But and so you were 12 years, around 12 years old and you're already sort of being told that you may not be with your parents soon. Yes. And that mostly happened when Warren just went, when he went to prison. Is that kind of when there was like a shift of that, like being more prepared? That specific story was during the time that he was running from the law. Oh, okay. um, I was told he was in hiding. Mm -hmm. So that's when the story of the song came out. You know, my parents, you know, they were so scared that they started preparing their 12 year old to take over their siblings. I mean, and at that point they did have six kids. They had me and yeah, five other kids. I think their youngest was a month old. Well, wow. and at that point, kids were disappearing to Zion, right? Because people were still going to the ranch at that point. Yes, yes, absolutely. Which, you know, so they were seeing Increased kids the fear. Dis <laughs> disappear as well. Right. Oh, man. So what were your, I guess, Warren Jeffs was put in prison after the Texas stuff was already going on. So a lot of this disappearing children, disappearing parents was happening before he was caught and put in prison. What was your view on what was going on and people just disappearing in the middle of the night and going to this so-called Zion? Honestly, I was young enough and kept close to my parents. They kept me close. Um, biggest thing that I noticed is, you know, we quit going to church, we quit seeing people. It was rare to even see people, like I was getting isolated within my own home. Mm. Wow. So it was just kind of secretive, it seemed like almost, right? Where people didn't really talk much in, anymore and people would disappear. Sometimes, did you see people that would, you just wouldn't see them again and then you find out maybe several months later that they haven't been in the community and they they went to Zion? Absolutely. I mean, when the 2008 raid happened then, you know, and, and the FLDS were putting it on the news, um, which incidentally, we weren't allowed to view anything but what the FLDS posted on their Pacific site. Mm. But I seen a lot of people that I had recognized from the community. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I, that must have been where they went. But because I was so isolated in my home, it's like I didn't, I did not pick up when they disappeared. It was just 
the whole community just shut down. So wow. did you have any fear that you were going to go missing or did you feel safe enough in your home that that fear hadn't hit you? That fear was definitely ignited when my parents started preparing me for it as well. Yeah, because at that point you had no idea what to expect. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then this leads up to Warren Jeffs being caught in Las Vegas. How did you find out and what were your feelings about Warren Jeffs actually finally being caught? I think it was a good two years before our family actually found out that he really was because the whole community wow. kept it so quiet. Just before Warren was put in prison, they moved my family, my mom and dad and our kids, into another home across town. And we weren't allowed to see anybody. We would keep the doors locked and the windows shut, the blinds down. And this was during the time that Warren was captured. And this went on with our house literally being in lockdown for a good year. And then we actually heard that he had been put in prison just like a rumor through an end. Wow. wow. Did they tell you what the reason was that you were on lockdown in, in this house with your family? But it was yeah. during the time that like Isaac Weiler was going around and evicting people and oh. they weren't supposed to be making moves within the community because of the lawsuit going on with the UEP. I see. Okay. So it was like a property thing. Right. So they had moved us and they were like trying to make so nobody knew that we had been moved. How crazy that it's been it took so long for you to find out that he was Hot. I mean, it seemed like I found out almost immediately, and I wasn't in, I wasn't in hiding like you say, but I also wasn't in one of the Zion locations. So the rumor, from what I could tell, was spread pretty quickly around at least some of us groups. That kind of gives testament to how much isolation they had put you right, in. Right. Exactly. So That's... when you heard it, you thought it was a rumor going around from another aunt. Did it take you guys long to believe it, or was it confirmed after? like quickly? Um, so personally, because I was so young, I didn't understand what it entitled. So it, it mm. kind of just flew over my head. A bit. I see. Like, I see my parents distressed about it. You know, I see the other adults act weird, you know, to a thir 12, 13 year old, but didn't understand, you know, what it was or why he was even there. Just, you know, yeah, it just flew right over my head. Like I didn't comprehend it. Did you feel like there was a shift in the community or in your world and your family's life by Warren Jeffs being put in prison? Did that change how your family was treated or? It definitely had a drastic effect on how lax my parents were. They immediately became stiffer, you know, and more, we have got to follow the rules better because we caused him to be put in prison. You know, we, we weren't having our kids be perfectly obedient, mm. the perfection. So, Blaming the members for him being caught, right? Yes. Wow. So your parents, in a way, blame themselves because they didn't feel like they were good enough to keep him out. Right, and that wow. ultimately reflected back to the kids, you know, so. So you that, felt guilty. Right, and, you know, they felt like that they had to have a level of perfection, you know, to make it better, you know, and, and then that time to require their kids to. So right. there was a lot of stress on the kids as well. Wow. Wow. So Warren's put in prison now. The community seems to be in lockdown mode. And there is just a lot of hush-hush. Things are starting to get a little bit weird. Not that they weren't before, but they're starting to get a little bit more weird, it seems like, right? I was here during those moments as well, so I started to see the beginnings of this. But I moved out in 2008, so... 
a lot a lot of things a lot of buildup had happened at that point but so much more was about to change after right after i left so about 2008 2009 what did your life what what kind of happened after uh warren was put in prison with you and your family so the community stayed very isolated up until about 2008 and then one day we heard through relatives, I believe, about a raid that happened in Zion, is what we were told. And my parents started looking at up. At that time, they didn't have the internet taken. I was still young. I hadn't been introduced to it or been allowed to be on the internet at that point. But, and then they started calling um, the community together on secret update meetings, is what they were calling them, to update the people in Short Creek, Colorado City, Hillbelly, Utah area, about what was going on in Texas on the ranch. And, of course, mm-hmm. it was the FLDS version of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then just from there, they they started requiring us to come to meetings every week and slowly started having church again on Saturday meetings and Monday morning meetings. And, like, within a year, we were starting to have all of those meetings again and be required to go to them. And slowly, Warren Jeffs, started sending his revelations and then over a period of like five to six years you know he would send more and more to where we were even being called into meetings during the middle of the week and it was just random you know times i mean i remember sitting through some of those meetings listening to warren's revelations being read and his new requirements like getting rid of toys and couldn't eat certain foods and stuff we sat in those meetings for six seven hours sometimes wow everyone in the family was required to even the children. Absolutely, even the babies. Having a baby in a seven-hour church meeting is like hell on earth. I can only, like, that's, I can't imagine. I, I imagine they were required or supposed to sit still and be oh, quiet. Absolutely. absolutely, they were required to sit perfectly still and no noise. I mean, even a newborn crying was like, everybody being like judging you and staring at you. Like, how dare you let this child cry over God? Oh my, oh my gosh. Gosh, and, and just a quick reminder here, these revelations were coming from Warren after he was already in prison, right? Absolutely. Okay. He was sending these letters from prison, and even a few times they he called from prison and they put him on the phone over the speaker in this building of like 2,000, 3,000 people, and he himself would give his revelation. Wow. So you actually got to hear him preach from his prison cell? Yes. The fact that that was even allowed, right? <laughs> Right? It blows my mind now that I know what I know. Right. For the fact that he was put in for what he was put in for, and then he was allowed to continue to, quote-unquote, lead his people, Mm -hmm. that is just something I can't quite understand. So revelations start coming in, and he starts making all of these changes and uh, crazy rules, which we've heard a lot of them, and you've mentioned some of them. What happens from there? Do the revelations just keep getting more intense? Or membership, right? Membership changes a little bit. Requirements started getting more intense. Um, he decided to introduce the United Order, is what he called it. And there, actually, this is an interesting story. So he decided that everybody in the church had to be rebaptized, and we had to wait for our call, and it had it had to be through high up leaders. And then he introduced the idea of the United Order, and he decided that there was going to be members of the United Order and people who were not members, non-members, 
it was a way of controlling, you know, you see these people that are like in higher standing, you know, the non-members are going to be like, what can we do to be in a better position? Right. Well, I mean, with God, I mean, Warren really portrayed himself as God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when they were rebaptizing, did everybody get to be baptized? Or was this one of the times where they said, like, you're a member, you're a non-member? Because we've heard kind of both different times, and I know it can be at least confusing for me sometimes of, yeah. you know, which time Warren did it. But this very first time that you're talking about and everyone's getting rebaptized, was everyone allowed to get baptized? Yes, or? everyone was required to be okay. baptized in the whole church. Okay. And then a couple months later, I was young enough, you know, I don't have an exact timeline, yeah. but he introduced the United Order and people started getting baptized again into this United Order. Okay, so then, then they were the ones that were the becoming the members. Yes. And how were people choose, how, how, how did they choose who was going to become a member or not? Do you know? I do not know how they chose, other than I did notice a lot of women and girls going through it. Here's my story on it. We were at home one night, and Mom got a call. And they told us to come at 3 o'clock in the morning and don't let anybody know where we went. Me, my sister just younger than me, and my mom, and we were to come and be baptized as members. And we snuck out of the basement window without dad knowing because we were so scared of the leaders of the church wow and i mean think about that now like that freaks me out like they targeted me and my sister and my mom yeah and we were baptized as members and we were the only three in our family was sneaking out something that you just thought up or did, did they tell you that you needed to sneak out the person that called us on the phone was very clear no one else in the household could know not your dad, your father, you know, not Jeff. Like, nobody could know. So we, like, my mom, me, my sister, we snuck out of the basement window with our bag of clean underwear so that we could go get baptized. Oh, this just gives me shivers in a bad way. Were so, there, oh, sorry. Were there yeah. other people there to get baptized at the same time, or was it, like, just the three of you? Was it, like, a big group of people? So we arrived at um, the building to be baptized, and we were in a, whole room of women. I believe there was like 50 to 60 women and girls there being baptized at the same time. Whoa. So, at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I, which we can all assume that they were also told they need to sneak out of their homes and not let the husband or father see them. I would, yeah, I would assume so. I don't know why it would be any difference than they were telling us. Wow. Yeah, they were essentially breaking up families at that point. I mean, you know, like I said, there was only three in my family of 10 that were picked and you know it really gives me the chills to think about that it was i was 16 my younger sister was 13 and my mom i mean like that's that's scary that is yeah. so scary at what point were were you able to tell the rest of your family were you ever able to tell them or what did that look like going back like were they never able to find out so as soon as we were baptized as members then we were required to go to special member meetings so we'd just disappear and go to meetings on Sunday or whenever they were held and the family just had to assume we never could tell them but we would disappear to the member meetings mom just disappears for a couple hours and you're not allowed to ask like this is they're not allowed to ask why yeah this puts this in the whole a whole new light of manipulation here and control and fear because normally you know, you would think that your 
did your father or your brothers would come up to you and say, hey, what is going on? You can't just disappear like this. But because of the situation going on within the church and how normal it was for people to just disappear for no reason, did they even ask you? I They were scared to ask. Honestly, like that could be the cause of them not being able to become members. You know, it honestly just put more fear in the people, in the rest of the family that, holy shit, we better step up. I mean, you know, people in our own family are going, you know, being elite members and we're, you know, something is wrong with us. It's just hard to wrap my brain around how crazy that is. That but separating, I mean, they did it so... Warren Jeff seems to have been very strategic about the way that he separated families in a way that families couldn't fight against it. Right. I feel like it, it's that like uh, that bit by bit model, right? Like it has to be one little tiny piece at a time because if someone just comes up to you and says, okay, your family has to just be separated now, people would be like, yeah, right, whatever. But it's these little things like that where yeah. he's separating them on the inside and working at them from so many different angles to where later he can just separate people and at that point, it's already been done so much they don't even notice or there's not much for them to do about it. Right, right. And there's one thing that I would like to explain here is, so because a parent became a member, my mom became a member, by the time the kids were eight years old, they were supposed to be baptized into the church, right? So any kid under eight years old automatically became a member. So now my mom was going to these secret meetings, but she also was taking the babies. She was just leaving the kids eight and older. Oh, wow. Because these infants were members, you know, the three-year-old, the two-year-old. Members. I can't imagine, too, how it made those other kids feel. Did they ever talk about how it made them feel to not be members? Or were they just striving to be as good as they could to become members? Did they have that hope? I hate the word hope in this situation because it's so messed up. But I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, you know, it was everything that they knew. And, yeah, it was, yeah, if they didn't hope to become a member it was given up on life. There really wasn't a choice. So how long after you and your mom and your sister were baptized in the middle of the night, how long did it take before your other siblings were all able to become members or did they get to become members? I, I vividly remember this. I, I was 16 at the time this was going on, you know, so a little bit more mature, kind of getting a picture for things that were going on. My mom got a call and she had, we were in the vehicle with dad because we had been taking kids to the dentist and I was just there to help with the younger kids. But she got out of the car to take this phone call because it was the bishop's office and she was a member and my dad wasn't supposed to hear. He no. was a non-member. No. And she got back in the car and just said, okay, we got to go home right now, you know. And because she's a member and my dad's a non-member, you know, she is the higher power. Like, my dad has to do what she says. She hopes more priesthood in a way like she and so she's like we have to go home right now and so he went home and my mom took my other two siblings that were over eight and they were baptized that day mm. and my dad was not and that was the beginning of a long separation for our family because everybody in our family over eight besides my dad were members and like I mentioned before, anybody under eight was automatically a member because a parent was. Right. Um, we were moved. My dad was moved into a non-member home and we were moved into a member home and absolutely no contact. So being 16 years old when your father is sent away, 
What was that like for you? I mentioned before in third grade, you know, I warned, started sending messages through the schools and stuff that, you know, the young people have got to be prepared to be gathered up. The exact word they use is that the young will be, the children and the young will be gathered up and brought to Zion. He said nothing about parents at all. And I knew that. I was a smart kid. I understood that he was referring to just kids. And so, you know, at 16, when it started happening and I started getting separated from my dad, you know, I just, I had been prepared for it, like starting at four years old, you know, a slow preparation my whole life, you know, so I, I thought that it was fulfilling the prophecy that he'd been saying this whole time, right? Right. Yeah. He's creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's telling you, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is happening. So that when it all does, it probably just made your faith in him stronger. Did right. it? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good way to explain it. To think that he was planning this for so many years, too, that just goes to show you how much preparation he had put into it in preparing the young kids and families to one day turn it into all of this that he wanted. Split the families up, mm -hmm. take children away, and all of the things that ended up happening. Mm -hmm. So that is just... Very calculated, yeah. that's for sure. He, I mean, he was a mastermind in a very bad way. It seems like so. How long was your father separated from you at that time? It was about 2011 that I became a member and he became a non-member. And it wasn't up until like 2014 or 15 that I even saw him again for the first time. Wow. Wow. So a good four years. And during those four years, did you get to stay with your mother and your siblings that whole time? Were you guys assigned to another family? Because I know that happened a lot. We were put in a member household and we actually floated around to several different homes member homes during that time my mom and my some of my uh, some of my younger siblings because then a couple of them became non-members and moved back with my dad and my mom was going between kids but we didn't have it we couldn't have anything to do with my dad because we were still members he was still an officer okay so through that whole process you were able to stay a member i mean well, no, but I, I know I know it sounds funny now, but being a member also shows a certain level of where your belief was in the church. Like, how did you feel towards the church at that time as a member? So during that time, about 2013, then there suddenly became another group of people and the people that were members were suddenly in the middle zone. And there was another set of people that were getting rebaptized and they were the member members. Oh, wow. So I was actually floating around like in the middle. So there were the, everyone was rebaptized. I just want to, I just want to <laughs> get this straight. So everyone was rebaptized. And then there were more baptisms for the members only, right? For people to become members, yeah. Become members. And then there were a lot of people at that point that were left out of becoming members like your dad. And yeah. then on top of that, there were more baptisms for people that were even more elite within the church. Right. So we suddenly became the non-members and they were another group of higher people that were the elite members. So non-members, members, elite members. Wow, 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 wow. So you ne did you ever become one of the member, 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 members? <laughs> Add a few more members. <laughs> Who knows how many more times they went up? I don't know. No, I did not. Okay. My family stayed in the middle at that point because a year or two after that is when my mom and dad were sent away and me and all of my siblings were separated from our parents. Okay. Wow. So who knows what was going on with them? Because 
just you in the membership that you had, you had your secret meetings and things. Absolutely. I, I can only imagine what was going on in the elite elite. I mean, it got so much worse from when I was a kid to where I was at that point, you know, and, and I warned devious and evil scheme. I mean, there's, there's no end to it. And it's still going on. That's the craziest thing. Yeah. A lot of what could be imagined is, is wow. and has gone on. So you were without your dad for, multi, yeah. you said about four years. You didn't see him at all. You say at that point then you must have seen him again. What, what brought that on? How did you end up seeing your dad again? So they decided that the members, the middle people, they weren't a part of the elite. So I guess it was okay for them to associate with the non-members. Oh. So then we were able to talk to our dad. We were not allowed to live together at all. And we were still separated in girl and boy houses. Other than my youngest siblings under eight were with my mom, thus with me. So I, I was able to see my dad a little bit. But at that point, you know, he had had his whole life taken from him, his kids, his wife. He was going insane, mm -hmm. literally. I mean, he was having these breakdowns that scared the crap out of me. You know, and I was already under so much stress, you know, and anxiety just from trying to live up to the church laws that... Honestly, my dad kind of scared me wow. at that time. You know, I hardly dared even get to, I hardly dared talk to him or get to know him. Because of everything that he was dealing with. And I, I can only imagine how crazy that would have been for everyone involved. I mean, he had a one-year-old taken from him. He couldn't see, and he didn't see that one-year-old until he was four. Wow. <laughs> Those are some formative, like, if you blink, a month goes by and they change so much from one, about one to four years, that's, a huge chunk of so many changes in a baby's life. Yeah, and that was his baby. I mean, that was his last kid. That was his last chance. And that's mm. forever taken. Yeah. So you said that it was, you got to talk to him again, but it's this kind of hard emotional line with him. And then we know that eventually both of your parents were taken. At what point did that happen? So my parents were sent away in 2015. I was up to the storehouse doing sewing projects and my mom called me and said dad and I got called up to the bishop's office and my heart just sunk like physically painfully sunk like I knew I had seen so much so many people get sent away I knew what was going on I just went home you know I talked to my younger siblings you know and we were just wandering around the house forlorn kind of for a good three to four hours and then she called me at the dad's house because he lived in a, a boy house he had to live separate and told us that yeah they were sent away and that we had to find they were gonna have to find us new parents and you know we were gonna do whatever it took to make it work so they could repent and come back and get their kids back yeah how old were you at this point i was 21 at the time that my parents were out of the church. Wow. Did they tell you why? Did anyone have a good explanation of why your parents were sent away? No, they didn't even have a clear explanation, at least to my knowledge. Now at 21, was there ever any talk of you being allowed to be in charge of your siblings or to keep your siblings since you were an adult and a member? I know you weren't a member member, but a member. That is a very good question and something that I get a lot of questions of. I mean, you know, I was 21. I was legally and technically an adult. You know, why wasn't I going out and making my own life? You know, I could have legally taken those siblings. I could have made a life for them if that was something that my parents chose to leave them with me, you know. 
But something I would like to explain is growing up in this cult, you were not allowed to be in charge or be an adult until you were married. I was not educated on sex, even at 21, or on the anatomy of the human body at all wow. at 21, because I had never been married and was not a mother. So I was still in the child category. Wow. I was treated and required to be just like a 12, the 12 or the 10-year-old, you know. You are kids until you're married. Oh, interesting. Wow. So it had nothing to do with age. Absolutely not. And at that point, Warren wasn't allowing marriages anyway, right? So it wasn't a possibility of you getting married either. No, no, absolutely not. Wow. Did you have any hope of getting married? Or did you think at that time that you were going to be in this kid category forever? Honestly, at that point, you know, I was going through so much mental anxiety and stress from all the changes that happened over the period of like six years in my life and how intense things got you know and watching my dad have a hard time and, and my mom you know it just there wasn't time to think about it you know there was just so much trauma just mm. ripping through our family that it just it was just one moment at a time to even stay alive you know so when you find out that your parents are going to be sent away, what was the next step for you and your siblings? How did you, so you said you found out because your mom called you that they were going to the storehouse, but what was it like for you to be taken to a new home? Yeah.